This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hi, my name is Steve. You're listening to Bible Toolbox. I have a question for you. Is sin an illusion? Does it exist? I know that sounds like a strange question because when we look in the world, we don't see peace and happiness and joy. So asking this question is like, uh, duh, of course there's sin. But you've got to understand there's people who have a philosophy that the sin isn't real. It's an illusion. It comes from... It comes from ages past from cultures and traditions that have been formalized into sin by churches, by religion. Religion has taken something and say, ah, there you are. You do this, you're a sinner. Aha. But the Bible doesn't say, or nobody says it is. Nobody says it is. They don't believe it is, okay? We all have problems, okay? Let's start there. We all have problems. Some of us have health problems. We're all getting a little bit older. And when we get a little bit older, the body starts, doesn't function properly, okay? Some of us have financial difficulties, unemployment. Some of us have major family issues, infighting. We have a lot of stress. All these things contribute to our daily concerns and the stress in our life. Now, we can tackle some of these, and we can, we can resolve them. But, there, but for others, there are ones that, that some of the problems we just can't do anything about. We can't alleviate. It's not our fault. It just happened that way. Trouble came to us when we weren't looking. So to say that sin is an illusion totally contradicts the Bible. Totally contradicts the Bible. This is what the prophet Isaiah said. He said, we, like all sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Wow, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6. The Bible is quite clear about sin and how it separates us from God. We've all gone astray. We've all gone our own way. Now, let me tell you something. But I was, I'm not going to say I was a difficult child. I'm just going to say that I was not a passive child. Now, I have a brother and sister, and to a certain degree, they also had their, had their, um, had their uh, way of life and what they wanted to do. They were all, we were all disobedient in some way or another. But for me, it was a little bit different. If something doesn't make sense, why should I do it? If nothing, something doesn't make sense, why should I do it? And the answer, of course, came, because I said so. Now, to me, that's a little bit of a red flag. Well, yeah, but I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it. I will be responsible for anything that happens. Now, that's, a, that's the good news. The bad news is when something bad happens, guess who had to come to my rescue? My parents. They always say to me, Steve, why did you do that? Well, just because, just because. Yes, I was wrong. Yes. I didn't do the right thing. Yes, I'm the one at fault. I'm the one with the blame. Okay? So you have to understand that we can live our lives as best we can, but sometimes our own machinations result in something we did not want. James, the half-brother of Christ, or Jacob, Jacob, in James chapter 1 and verse 14 and 15, this is what he writes. Each person is tempted 
when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brothers. Wow. Sin results in what? In death. This is what James has said. <clears throat> and if each of us have sinned, each of us has gone astray, then sin can be very real in our lives. This, and it doesn't make any difference what mankind considers to be what sin should be or if it's not real. God holds everyone accountable for their lives. This is what we do, okay? So you have to understand that the things that God has put in place for us for, was for our blessings, not as punishment. You know, when he says, don't sleep around, don't have sex with just anybody that you want, there will be consequences. There are consequences. We have a lot of single mothers. We have venereal disease. We have all kinds of problems associated with our enticement, our lust to do what we want. Now, God didn't say don't do this because he's punishing us. He's saying, listen, you're at a higher risk if you do these things. I'm trying to tell you the best way you can live your life. Okay? I created you. I know what your life. I know what your body is like. If you do these things, there will be risks and there will be consequences. The Ten Commandments of the Old Testament stood head and shoulders above every other social law for many, many centuries. In fact, some of, some of the laws in the Old Testament are still laws today. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not uh, bear false witness. All those things are still laws today. Okay? So these laws, although they very simply explained, and anybody can understand, thou shalt not murder. You can understand that. But as they're easy and simple to explain, some of them are very, very difficult for us to live. I don't think there's ever been one human being on earth that's ever obeyed all Ten Commandments and not sinned. Only Christ, sent from God, has not sinned. Everybody else has sinned. Everybody else has sinned. Whether you believe it or not, whether you think it's true or not, doesn't make any difference. God has set his will in motion. Right from the beginning, from Adam and Eve until now and beyond, there are things we as humans should not be doing and should not be participating in. Okay? And this is the way God designed it. I didn't design it. God designed it that way. Okay? The thing is this. We have to understand that if we have sinned, then we are going to need forgiveness in order to come to God. Now, forgiveness isn't as easy as it sounds. You know, we have this saying, you know, yes, I'll forgive them, but I won't forget. You know, I've, I've come across the situations many times, even in church or congregational things like that. They'll say, yeah, you know, somebody does something, yes, I've forgiven them when they went, but you must understand, I knew they were going to do it again. I knew it. Didn't you see? I told you so. That's what I, mean. I told you so. It's almost like they like waiting for somebody to fall down again. They're waiting for somebody to fall down again. So we have to understand that when we have sinned, we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. Okay? In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, right from the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, okay, this is what Matthew writes. She will give birth to a son, 
and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is what the Bible says. I didn't say this. I didn't dream this up. This is not a fairy story, nor is it a novel. He's saying, you'll call his name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Whether the world believes this or not, God has sent someone not only to overcome sin, but to eradicate it permanently. Christ's followers continued this message. Luke chapter 24, this is what we read, Gospel of Luke. Dr. Luke said, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Jesus is talking to two men on the road to Emmaus. Okay, He'd been crucified, but he rose from the dead, and he appeared with these two men as they were walking back home. And he shared with them certain things, and they were amazed. They were amazed. They, they, their hearts were open. They said, we've not heard anything like this before. Okay, And Jesus made the statement to them. Okay, This is why the Son of Man came, and he fulfilled his mission to lead people away from sin back to God. He brought the message of hope and forgiveness of all sin everywhere. John the Baptist handled on this concept. John the Baptist. In John chapter 1 and verse 29, this is what John, the Apostle John, writes. The next day, he, being John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, I find that very strange statement. He did not say, I, he takes away the sins of the world. He used the singular term, takes away the sin of the world. What does that mean? Well, and I think in this context, he's talking about evil. He's talking about wickedness that covers all sin, no matter what it is, where it is, or where it's committed. It's a concept of evilness, of wickedness. He says, there's the one, there's the Lamb of God who takes away all the sin of the world. Wow. We stand in line for forgiveness. We stand in line for forgiveness. I hope this helps understand how we deal with sin in our lives and the sin in, in, in total in where we live and what's going on around us. We can be very discouraged by what we see and what we hear, but the Bible is there to encourage us and make us bold to live the righteous life. My name is Steve. Thank you so much for listening. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.